Oh my goodness. Season six, episode four. Welcome back to another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. And he's Josh. I'm Daniel. If you're new to the podcast, welcome in. This is what we are here for. This is what we live for, Josh. We sign up to do this for moments like this for Monday mornings, March 21st, talking about Sapphire. If you haven't watched the episode, I'm sorry, but we are going to spoil the hell out of it because, Josh, I don't know if... I don't know if we've been more happy following episodes than this one. I mean, obviously last week was awesome. And every week, every week this, this month and this, this season has been incredible, but this one left us like clapping. Yeah, this was phenomenal. I actually change of change of, of roles here. I watched this one before you did, you know, if, if for, for you folks in the UK, if you don't know about March madness and college basketball, <laughs> it's the time of the year where, you know, it's the college basketball NCAA tournament. There's basketball games that go to like 11 p.m. Eastern time uh, over here in, in, in South Florida for me. My Daniel and my team played a really important game and we won. I, I stayed up till two in the morning watching this episode. Daniel went to bed, woke up really <laughs> early wherever he was to watch the rest of the episode. And, I'm, and I stayed up till two in the morning and I'm happy that I did. Because this episode was a banger, an absolute banger. Not in the sense that there was like a lot of action or anything like that. I mean, there was some action, but the plot really thickened. And it, it thickened to an extent where it's five and six cannot miss. Like I know for a fact five and six are going to be perfect because the plot develops so well and so perfect to a T that I, I'm, I'm just so excited. I can't wait to break it down. So Josh and I are trying to just flood your timelines here. If you need and crave peaky content, this is the place. We've got multiple episodes a week over here on our ad-based Anchor, Apple, Spotify feed, which every Friday we also do a mailbag episode. Last week's mailbag episode was our best one ever. I can imagine that the fans will be geared up and ready to hit us with more knowledge and more tidbits and more Easter eggs that we don't touch in this because this is our instant reaction. I just got off watching the episode. And then over on our Patreon, which is just teeming with, with bonus content, that's when Josh and I do our weekly deep dives in a few days. We take in everything that we read online, we rewatch the episode, and we completely unload all of the, the digested foods that we couldn't quite keep down um, and the, the barrels of wine that, that Arthur's been waiting for. Um, and that's over on patreon.com slash buy order of Peaky, just $5 really helps support Josh and I continue to bring this, uh, this amazing season to you. And, and Josh, 6.4, it's called Sapphire. Okay, last episode was called Gold. That's when you knew that something was about to go down. And Sapphire. I, I'm going to say I am shocked that there was no grace in this episode. Mm-hmm. There were a couple missions, no grace this season. We saw like a a sliver of Finn and maybe his wife or something like that during the funeral. No Finn, no grace, not a lot of uh, Billy grade. Obviously we haven't seen Michael in a while. I'm going to go ahead and just say, this is the episode of our predictions um, coming to fruition, Josh. Cause I'm I'm, going to take a victory lap. I'm definitely taking a victory lap after this episode. Let's let's say this now. So uh, obviously sports gambling is very big in this show and very big in this world. And Josh and I did not have the best week of sports gambling on the basketball during March Madness, which is a, uh, a college basketball tournament that always uh, is the most fun. But if we just put in a couple bets for futures on Peaky, I think we would, we would be more than cashed out at this point. Yeah, I'm very upset that, there, that, that we couldn't because I'd be freaking... <laughs> rolling in the bank right now because so many different predictions that we got right in this episode i mean we can kind of flip right I was to say, our... where do you want do you want to just start with like the biggest review okay. of the, of the, of I the mean, season i mean oswald and gina are having an affair and dan and if you have been listening to the pod for the last two years i was about to say like give okay. it give it like 11 months but like more like 19 <laughs> months if you've listened to this pod for the past two fucking years Daniel and I have been spot on with our prediction that Oswald Mosley and Gina Gray have been having a fucking affair. They've been stooping each other. They've Bumping been doing it the whole time, and we didn't even know about it. 
We didn't even know about it. Obviously, you and I knew about it, but we fucking knew about it, okay? That scene back in season five where Oswald's sleeping with that woman and he's looking at himself in the mirror, that's Gina. The scene where Oswald and Gina are giving themselves the, the freaking the eyes, okay? The swan, the the swan dance, scene, yeah. That was them five and you know, six. longing for each other, okay? We, we knew this. We knew this. We called this. This is the most passionate that I've been about any prediction. This is crazy. I can't believe it happened. It's so integral to the plot. We have two episodes left. What the <laughs> hell is going to happen? It is, it is so wild that Stephen Knight just dropped the seeds in the end of season five. And if you haven't listened to our amazing season five rewatch, it's only available on Patreon, patreon.com slash by order of Peaky. Oh, and, and we did a we did a full rewatch, obviously like a year and a half ago, but just a couple months ago, leading up into the middle of February, we did a spoiler-filled rewatch. And we were so confident, so confident when Oswald stared at Gina during the swan scene in 5.5, that it was something, and it wasn't a red herring. And here we go, Gina whispering all the lies to Michael. I'll say, I did put out that bold prediction last week that I thought Gina might stay loyal and and, tr- and truthful to Michael, but wow. I, I mean, we've got to get to that when we get to that, but that had to be touched on in the very beginning. That's we've got insane. that big news. We've got Conrad Khan as Duke Shelby, and I... I don't know. I'm not going to go back and try to listen to our episodes from like March 2021 when Conrad Khan was announced as a character for Peaky Blinders. I just have a feeling that, I mean, we, we guessed a lot of things. We had to have guessed that it was going to be Tommy's long lost son, right? But if I, we thought maybe it was from the did. other woman. I, I remember saying it, right. but I thought it was from the first love that he had. Right. The one that he kind of mentioned in season five, Jesse Eden a bunch of times. Yes. One of, her, one of her friend's sisters. Definitely think that you maybe mentioned that a couple times. That's a good, that's a good one. Um, interesting little plot development there. Kind of interesting just to throw that into six four and not really develop it at all. And he didn't even say a word. It's almost like the Michael introduction when first yeah. right, Tommy went to go look at him from afar in a yard. Um, and we'll we'll dive in on on how despicable of a person Esme is for trying to sell a human being, but that's a whole other conversation. Man. She's a gypsy. She's it's, it's it's wild. She just she wants the she wants her bottom line. It's all about the bottom line. And then here's the one that probably tops it all, and it's Josh and his his very very strong strong wit and will and determination to stick with his gut that Tommy Shelby will not survive the season, and uh, not. He's going to die. And he's, he's not going to die. He's not going to make it. Tuberculoma is what's going to get Mr. Shelby. Unless and unless he goes out in a rage of glory previously. I mean, what's good about this show is that it's pretty realistic. And it's not dandelions and sunflowers, like I always say. And Tommy is battling something that he can't escape. You know, it's inside of him. He's, he's you know, he's found the, the enemy that he, that he hasn't been able to defeat. You know, now we're, we're definitely going to break that down towards the end, but I do think that the, that the end is near for Tommy and that's going to be a very breaking bad esque way for this show to end a lot of parallels. There were a lot of parallels to this, to this show and other shows. I don't think purposeful, but very interesting. Like he's having a Walter white ty- type of, you know, downfall where like he sees the light, at the end of the tunnel for his death. And then also a very game of Thrones esque uh, scene here with Tommy going on a rampage with the Barwells, shooting the guns, a very Khaleesi-esque where Khaleesi wanted to avenge, you know, the death of, forgot what, forgot what. Call Drogo? Yeah, yes. Well, no, no. Where, who was, Grey Worm. She wanted to avenge, like, oh, the right, right. Grey Worm and, 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 and um, the, the, I forgot her name. Whatever, Whatever. let's, she, let's, let's get she goes on that. <laughs> she goes on that rampage throughout you know king's landing right. and, and it point. reminded me of what tommy was doing it was very similar where they just he lo- he's losing his mind he's not thinking straight and he just fires away at at that gypsy camp and kills the, the bar unbelievable people. doesn't even like interrogate them you know like I, I assume like right when she says yes i'm a van barwell we would get like some sort of interrogation he scene care. he didn't care he just wanted he had one thing on his mind and that was and that revenge. was revenge seeking revenge and he said, this is, this is, this is for the Sapphire and, and whatever way he said, and just fires away, kills everyone there. Lizzie's not happy about it. She's like, what the hell are you doing? Like they had a family, they had kids and Tommy doesn't give a fuck. He really doesn't. He really still believes 
that these people cast, you know, a, a curse onto Ruby and they're the cause of her death. And he, in the beginning and during his funeral, when he's trying to give his speech, he basically says, you know, they said that it was gold, but they, but, but you proved they were wrong. Another anti-vax, anti-COVID parallel by Stephen Knight, maybe not purposeful, but still kind of very yeah. relevant. Whether you think it or not, you know, if, if it's being read by fans, then it can be perceived as it. And we know a lot of alterations to the script were made after the shutdown. And there's no reason to, to, to not assume. But let's, let's, here we go. Let's start at the beginning quietness in the beginning and we have another episode open with a funeral i like how charlie strong now is charles strong's yard and is very professional the doors open i noticed that lizzie is wearing a big red brooch and they spent an extra half second on that um josh you were were texting me about the the beautiful bright colors of this scene the golden carriage and uh or the golden carriage that tommy thought that ruby deserved and uh, when Tommy has to do his speech and asks Arthur to, the song, and this is one of two songs from the very, very, very well-known and talented Sinead O'Connor. Um, this one is called In the Heart. And I thought it was very interesting because I did a little bit of research, Josh, even though it's an instant reaction, I had to do a little research. And I remember, I was like, Sinead O'Connor, she has had a lot of controversy surround her, hasn't she? Well, a month ago, her son died. A young, a young son, and she said she would never sing again after that. Very interesting parallels here with the with the kid dying, and then obviously Sinead O'Connor, most famous for her um, SNL singing in in the '90s, when she would then rip up a photo of the Pope at the end of her song in protest and in solidarity with her beliefs and her friends, and uh, she got banned from NBC for life. So it's just like it's an interesting. Interesting couple things of background there. Usually you get that in the deep dive over on Patreon, but I wanted to throw it out there here at the top because they don't pick the music accidentally. Everything is on uh, purpose. And again, they don't miss, as we mentioned in our mailbag episode, they don't miss what the music, this was a top five music episode in a different way. It wasn't like the typical, you know, Anna Calvi or, you know, and Braun, and Braun, Bobby Pacified, Nick Cave. And there was Nick Cave later on in the episode, which was awesome. But we got very somber music, really, really great vocals, high, high, uh, high octane, like high vocal chords, really great uh, songs, really fitting songs for the scenes. We get that song Blackbird, you know, when, with, that, with that silhouette of like the, the, the various things going on. But yeah. that opening scene, Tommy couldn't find the words, tries to get Arthur to say the words. He can't do it. Really, really great imagery, as you just noted that I texted you. Really powerful and colorful. And... Um, we're starting to move away from the Ruby plot. Obviously it's driving Tommy's, you know, life right now and his, and his mood and how he's acting. But, uh, then we, we, we kind of get to back to the, to the main plot developments. And that was really important in this episode. Okay. So Tommy's got a couple good lines in this opening thing, but I'll kind of leave that for our, our breakdown later in the week. I did like you know, him talking about, you never know what's going to come down the river and the river, the cut is, you know, where he loses his mom. Um, obviously the ghost hunt, we see Charlie for the first time all season, I think, or at least like in any major role, this episode all season long, he talks and then it goes right into lullaby for Kane by Sinead O'Connor. And, uh, Ooh, it's, it's a weird one. It's almost a theater style song, right? It's a talky mm-hmm. song. Um, I didn't love the song choice in this one. I, I don't know. It, it was it was a little too talky. I'd rather a little bit more of like the acoustics and less lyrics when Tommy is just murdering an entire family. Yeah, it, I think it was kind of a, the dramatic irony of the song choice. Right. It's kind of like a like, like in a Clockwork Orange when like they're playing that really like happy go lucky music and they're going on a killing rampage. Like that wasn't maybe the most fitting for that kind of scene, but it was ironic and it had satirical impact to it i think that's what this had to it it's like tommy's just going on a rampage and we're getting this this weird you know song in the background so i think that's maybe what was purposeful in that aspect so i think it might have been actually a really good fit to kind of put some irony on it but also just a crazy scene like we hadn't we hadn't seen tommy really kill like that since what season four right and his shootout with with the changretas i don't think in season five he was really killing 
yeah, I mean, we just did the watch and there was not much. I mean, right. obviously they had the big shootout in Chinatown last season. That was like the eclipse of the violence. And a lot of people have been crying for violence, cry, wanting, I mean, not, not Josh and I, we, you know, we've loved the season. I don't need more violence in a show that had three and a half, four, four and a half seasons of nonstop, you know, murdering, but you know, people wanted it and they're, and they're happy. It came he gives Esme the gold dust. And I don't know. I was like, ah, the Esme stuff, I kind of would have rather to be in the past, like we talked about in the uh, in the weekly breakdown. But I was I was very quickly had my mind changed because this plot comes along. There was a woman named Zelda that Tommy stuffed under the hazel tree in May of 1914. Would that make this kid about 20, 18, 19, it feels like? Yeah, it seems so. He looks pretty old. Uh, um, from a distance, he looks pretty developed. So I would probably say about, is it 1932? I was about to go back and check. I, I feel like. I think it's around. The, it's I feel like it was 33, um, but hold yeah, on. So I've got he's, he's, he's 19 or so, 18, 19, 20 it's, or so. It's, it's 34 because the, the, okay, so the season opened in December 33. Right, so he's so he's twenty years old. Okay, yeah. pretty crazy. Um, I'm uh, very yeah, he's like twenty nine. Just to be right, I'm very nineteen. Curious, very curious to see what impact this has on the season. It has to have some impact on the plot because they wouldn't just sprinkle it in here in episode four to to have nothing impactful in five and six. Like, there's still a lot to uh, to unpack here in these next two episodes which is why once again, I think it's so important that episode six is, you know, a movie length because they're going to need that time to, 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 to draw this stuff out. But Esme obviously, you know, bribes Tommy and says, give me some more gold and I'll be able to connect you guys. And that's, you know, Esme just being Esme doing, doing gypsy Esme things. And that was also a very interesting thing. Okay. So the father of Zelda threatened to kill Tommy and maybe that's why he joined the war, because that's what kind of Esme was, was, was reciting the story. It's like, before the father could find you, you were already enlisted to the war. His name is Duke. So we're going to get a Duke Shelby. I love that name. And I'll tell you what, it's just going to be Michael 2.0. Like, just the, the fun storyline of teaching Michael how to be a gangster can maybe just, we can get like a 20-minute montage of it next episode. And I'm all in on Duke joining this new wave and then maybe Conrad Khan being a star in the, in the movie moving forward. And maybe that's where Finn comes back into play with Isaiah and everybody. Um, Esme, uh, Esme did a bad thing here. And I officially hate Esme for like hanging this kid in front of Tommy and then being like, but I'm not going to introduce you until you give me more gold. And that, uh, that was very shitty. As if like Tommy, like couldn't really... just like go get him. <laughs> cared also like he doesn't seem to really care he didn't take her up on the offer before she offered the gold uh, but, but before she requested the gold so i don't know just weird um tommy doesn't really seem to care and that kind of for now puts a pin in that plot up until you know whenever we see him again so that's gonna be interesting to see it'll be because you know obviously what we know with tommy and, and he asks how much longer do i have and they give him a year which which is a tremendous amount of time so like we can have this next two episodes be the next month the next week or the next year we we don't 12 know to, 12 to 18 months kind of added uh 18 oh, months yeah for the accountant so. for the accountant yeah, um, for the accountant right exactly he's he's good with numbers so he comes back tommy comes back to to lizzie how do you think she knows where he went and how do you think question. she knows that he went to go kill just, people? I think he just she just has a sense that he was out for revenge. I have no idea who yeah. killed him. Maybe, maybe I, I that, no, that's I, a really good question. I don't think she actually knew. I think she just knew that she went. He went to go kill people because he said like the people will pay. That's what right. I think. I'm thinking back on it because there's no way that she knew like at all what he was doing. Um, he, she didn't even know that he went to go see Esme. You know, like still doesn't know. So we get Tommy talking more about Churchill. He's going to spend more hours in the commons with Churchill studying about consumption, which to me, I think Tommy's just saying that for Lizzie's like delight. Like, I don't, I still don't think Tommy even like believes that consumption is what ended up killing his daughter. But regardless, then we start getting the droplings. Lizzie's like, well, the doctor called 
and you're beyond the help of the doctors. We get the mysterious letter, which leads us to the end. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But then Arthur's waiting downstairs. Um, this is like the first time that they've shown us Tommy's like casual wine cellar that he has filled <laughs> with barrels and barrels of wine. And we get like another amazing one-on-one -on -one scene of, of Arthur and, and Tommy and just like poetic writing and, and incredible acting. And you and I were texting about this, Josh. Was it 10 minutes in the middle of the fourth episode of the last season? Yes. Was it necessary? Uh, no. Was it moving what, and powerful? I, I, think. I think so. It was a good scene and it was important, I think, to kind of put everything into perspective for these two brothers who have gone through hell and back for each other and what they've gone through is a lot and it's and, and I get it it's traumatic and it's kind of like they, they're hitting an end a little bit but I uh, I just I'm worried about the time that we have left I'm gonna keep on saying this I'm worried about the time like, did we need we could have had this in six one like easily I get I get that it's because Tommy's grieving over Ruby but he could have been doing this when Ruby was on her deathbed and he was struggling with that we yeah. could have seen it in six two I just, there's so much to un unpack with the these plots that I don't know if it was necessary. We get it. They're brothers. They love each other. They're always there for each other. You know, they, they've, they've had a past with each other. Really great writing, really great acting. And you felt the raw emotion between the brothers. And once again, we get more, you know, anecdotes to how Tommy was the younger one, but was always the bigger brother, really. Yeah, he's and that yeah, was really important. amazing, right? You know, he's waiting for the cup to fill a great analogy about how Arthur's barrel is empty. Um, and that's when Tommy's like, you know, I think it was started when you were a kid. And I could see, oh my goodness, Stephen Knight's brain writing this scene. I'm watching it work out. And Tommy is doing what we do when we do these episodes where it's like, I say one thing and then five minutes later, you convince me otherwise. And Tommy starts yeah. by saying, you know, I think it's when I, I really kicked your ass as a nine-year-old and you were 12. Um, right. And then he's like, he comes around later in the, in the scene and he's like, wait a minute, you were the strong one when we were on the January and the cops came and there were 16 of us sleeping. You weren't scared. You let me win. You were the one, you were the one letting me, you realized who I was going to be as a person. And I was like, bravo, like just awesome. I mean, it, it, it could be our final Paul Anderson, Killing Murphy scene for all we know. It shows how important Arthur is to the show. Arthur is so important to Tommy Shelby and his path to where he is. I mean, him as, as a war hero, Arthur kind of inspired him to be who he was, is what Tommy was kind of saying, and how Arthur taught him so much, even though he really wasn't trying to. They were fighting over cigarettes at a young age. It was a very brotherly scene, reminding me of times when, like, me and my brother would be playing basketball, you know, at our house, and, you know, we're getting into little arguments and we're fighting and then one of us wants to let the, let the other win because we just don't want it to go on anymore. Just like stuff like that yeah. really reminded me. Um, and it showed the human side of Tommy. And then obviously Tommy breaks his sobriety, takes a sip of, of, of that wine and Arthur kind of sees, he's like, Tommy, you, you don't drink anymore. And he d doesn't care. And he does it. And all things are in motion after that. Oh, okay. One thing I noticed is Killian Murphy has great flexibility because he did that deep squat. And like, I don't know, I have bad knees and just watching him squat down and stay down in like a yoga pose for the majority of that scene. I was like, I was a catcher in baseball. So <laughs> Here we I, go. I, I side with Killian. I can I can squat like him. He was he, he probably played catcher too. If I have to imagine, if you were to play baseball, so a nice short, yeah. stout. Probably has really nice legs. Probably probably well, hits the squat rack every now we, and then. We, we watched him play golf. I don't think Tommy Shelby's good at any sports. Um, hey, <laughs> he did drink some alcohol though. We don't want to leave that out. You know, yeah. not much. Obviously, just a sip of wine, but maybe just to show that, like, hey this is brother time. Like, I'm not going to feel like I, I'm bigger than anything right now. Like I want to associate with you and I want to connect with you. So I'm not going to let like me not drinking stand in between us. Okay. And then stone but towers. Al Go ahead. Also, by the way, before that mentions Polly's name. Yes. Yes. They Once do. again, breaking the gypsy pack to never. Well, to it makes me think it makes me think. And Josh and I, Josh and I talked about this in our Friday episode. I wonder if it's just like right after, like right when you're mourning, you can't say it. 
because they, yeah, I think they've said Polly's name but, a few times now. So that has me thinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was interesting. It was never. But it was no great, great good catch, and, good catch. Um, because so. obviously they've said John's name, like in the last. Yeah, that's no, true. It's true. It's true. So that's just got us thinking that. Okay, so then another great song plays. It's Stone Towers by Dol Ikara, and we've got the meeting. This is it. This is the, the climactic. And Huge. I don't know if it was as well. Like, it's not like a full season buildup, but we had two scenes beforehand of Oswald and Diana and Jack and no Gina here, which I noticed, right? Like, she was involved in the last meeting, not involved in this meeting. Mm -hmm. They walk into the big house. And the first thing I noticed and the first thing Oswald and Jack kind of hint at is like, we don't need to do this right now. Like, Tommy's daughter just died. Like we can we can wait. You know that's the that's the right when they walk in they say that right. We can wait. We don't have to do this right now. And uh, and we've got old reliable Francis kind of giving Tommy a nice little pep talk. She's been there since the beginning. Um, Charlie is wearing an awesome little robe, and Tommy's like trying to tell him to like go go sleep with your mom, go sleep with Lizzie. And that's when that's when Francis gives Tommy a nice reminder, Josh. If someone touches you, you won't shatter. Just a reminder that he, no matter how frail he feels on the inside, can still emote this menacing figure. And that's kind of what Tommy did. He said very little words in this exchange, this awesome camera work swiveling from character to character, walking through what what the main plot is in season six. Really interesting. I don't know what it's, it's probably has a name of what kind of cinematography and the camera work that is. Really interesting. We hadn't we hadn't seen that in this show before, so it was different. And I really like the, the the innovative directing and producing going on the show throughout the season. But it was each character going through their thoughts. Really cool. Diana Mitford is crazy. Really, really, really crazy. That that's that little epithet where she talks about how being with know, the when chancellor she was, when she was with Hitler and Himmler. they called. Yeah, and they called all the, three of them. Yep. Right. They called the Jews to, and they forced them to eat grass while they were drinking their, while they were sitting on the porch drinking their morning coffee as the sun was rising. Disturbing. It like shook me to the core. Obviously, you and I are Jewish. So that was disturbing for us to hear. But uh, really, just a really harrowing scene shows how powerful and no fucks given that the kind of attitude she has. You know, we get Oswald doing his shit. Jack Nelson, really, really great in this scene. Um, Captain Swing, once again, feels like. I mean, Jack and Captain Swing, when they see Diana say that, they're like, uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Captain Swing is like a little little in over her head. Um, She's out of her depth, for sure. Yeah. Um, big big moment for her to be in this in this meeting, honestly. Like, she's, she's had a, a quite the come up. And uh, little does Oswald know that he's only alive because of Captain Swing, right? Like, that was something I just realized Absolutely. listening back at this. Absolutely. Um, another in, another yeah, note that, here. That is interesting. Right, you know, like Captain Swing's, you know, saving saving everyone. That she wanted this meeting to happen, set up in five point six, and that's what's cool to kind of have it come to fruition. Um, another thing to remind Peaky fans, Lizzie is uh, kind of like childless now because yes, Charlie is a stepson of sorts, but Charlie was Grace's son. But you know, obviously, family is family, and Charlie Men- wants to mentions, go. Yeah, and Right, how, how Lizzie holds holds him tight, and you know, it's like a way for Lizzie to grieve as well. Um, but it, that is interesting, you know, that he is a stepson to Lizzie, but really, you know, she's really taking him in. Really shows the kind of person that Lizzie is also. Um, I think deep down, we kind of forget that Lizzie is a good person. She's just going through a lot, and she's there for Tommy taking care of his children when, when he never could. So that was something that I, that I kind of caught there. But, I mean, just going back to that scene with all those figures, just – yeah. We had been waiting so long. It's just, I I don't want to just brush over it because it's not oh, like no, we're gonna just, sit we're gonna sit in this we're gonna sit in this right. sauna right now. It's and not let it like stew. right. It's not like it was so much that was discussed substantively. It's just like I think that it was just like wow, these people are all in the same room. All these plots have led up to this this moment where they're kind of discussing what's gonna happen, and you know Jack opens. You know, Boston's open for for uh, Tommy's opium, which is huge. Yeah, so he can kind of push his product through there, um, and he wants he wants Tommy to prove that he's actually believes in fascism. They kind of say, "Oh, Tommy's going to run as an independent." 
you know, he's going to step down. He has, he has a lot of influence and pull with the house of commons Oswald says, and uh, Jack is skeptical. Jack is skeptical. He, he kind of, I, he, I think he can see. He's like, do you even believe? Wall. He's like, do you even exactly. believe in this? Let's, let's move back a couple minutes where we get like a, a mixture of scenes. And so they, they kind of like uh, coerce or like peer pressure Captain Swing into singing. And Tommy is standing in the shadows, very similar to the shadow of the tumor in his brain, I noticed. Diana notices him as the song goes through um, staring at each other we see arthur robbing a, another and like arthur is just like are we getting this is a little too too heavy right like I, I feel like i'm just like i don't need that scene of arthur robbing another store in another place in chinatown and like sitting in the rain but we get the nazis outside ada's home throwing a brick about her um obviously like half black baby she comes out i wanted her to just shoot him but she like threatened them with a gun that was great um, before we get Carl, though, it comes back in Blackbird by Lisa O'Neill is playing and they start talking the, the, the big meeting where they jump right into it. They're like, OK, so you've got an ear with the president. And Jack's like, yep, I can whisper into the president's ear. And that's when Diana's like, we are England. Get him to understand that like, we represent England. We can swing the, the communists to fascists in the blink of an eye, as can swing. Oh, well. No pun intended. Maybe that's why they, they called her Captain Swing because she's got like go. a very influential role here swing to try boat. to swing. She is literally the swing. Um, and then they say, we need Tommy to prove it physically. And it's Oswald, I noticed this, has very little lines this season. That was one of his few lines where he's like, well, Tommy, you can prove it physically. And that's when I was like, what are they going to have him do? Like kill someone? And then I was like, oh, just the, just the, the Nazi salute there. Tommy is like so jaded at this point. You texted it to me, Josh. He is on like four minutes of sleep over literally, the last week. Literally four minutes of sleep. I mean, before he walks down the steps and Francis is like, yeah, they're here. And he's like, did you serve them drinks? And he's like, she's like, yes. And he's like, he literally just like covers his face, wipes his eyes. He's like, sighs. And then walks down the steps. Like he is exhausted. And he's kind of like, are you really just fucking asking me to do this stupid Hitler Nazi salute saying Paris Judah? So he kind of does it very half-assed, does the Paris Judah, and sits that back down. It's like, Tommy's like, okay, I'll do your stupid salute if it means that you just shut the hell up about it. And I, I think and I, this is kind of just coming to me now after, you know, marinating o- overnight about it. I think that Jack sees right through it and knows that Tommy doesn't actually want to push fascism in the sense that he believes in fascism, but he has an ulterior motive in, in the background. Yeah, I agree. I also don't think that Jack is like a fascist. You know what I mean? I, I think he's just a no. power. He's a power guy. Like they're both just power players right. and they, they find their moments right. for power and they jump on it. And obviously Jack has a very influential role. And, you know, it's interesting to mention to us that he's traveling with a member of like the royalty of America, but then we still haven't met FDR's child that is supposed to be with Jack on this trip. We've just seen Jack and Gina, um, and then Tommy looks in the corner, sees Ruby's chair, ends up burning it as he goes into the yard. Very 5.6 vibes with Tommy in that, yes. that, that hazy front yard with a big gun. I thought he was going to put it to his head again, right? That's what we, we said. So it was like I. therapeutic for him. But I think it was a little bit too big for him to do that with. So he just shoots the air. When we, get, him, though, when we get to like that. the final act of this episode and... Oof. Lizzie comes in the next morning where Tommy's like banging along in the typewriter, trying to write down all of the notes exactly word for word. Very uh, spy show, very spy show stuff, Josh. I'm, 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 I'm all in on my spy show stuff. I also just love how Tommy's telling her, Hey, she's just like, what are you typing? And he says, I need to, you know, write down the quotes from the meeting, like these meeting minutes. So he's like, if I do it quote by quote, it's easier for Churchill to understand. So we get that spy show aspect. Tommy wants to, you know, let Churchill know exactly what's been going on. Um, interested to see when we're going to see Churchill again, you know, in five and six and how that's going to develop and what Churchill's going to do with this information. It's going to be very interesting to see which side prevails, you know, whether the fascists prevail, whether Churchill's agenda prevails, where Jack Nelson fits into it. But Tommy's Tommy just has a perfect memory can remember what everyone says and just typing away in a typewriter and uh 
Lizzie has no idea what's going on, man. She she just really doesn't. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting that I think we we can we can write it off to Lizzie being just so distraught, right? In such a state of mourning, she's a very sharp person, and apparently, um, I guess like at the end, right? Like, how do you not notice that that's your doctor? If it's like Tommy's family doctor, like he's like, I'm your doctor. Lizzie just like doesn't know who who Tommy's doctor is. That was a little bit of like a weird um, plot hole, but either way, you could just write it off to Tom. Yeah, Lizzie, I think Lizzie's just out of sorts. Then we get Nick Cave and Nick Cave, it's so happy to hear him. It's, it's great to get a little Nick Cave. Do you love me plays as Oswald? And I'm like, oh, we're gonna get an Oswald Diana love scene here. Like, this is great. I'm a big fan of Amber Anderson. She's very alluring and attractive with her words and her visuals and everything. And then it's not, it's Oswald and Gina. And, Gina. and it's just a glimpse. It's like four seconds of it. A little bit more than what they gave us in that season five finale in the dressing room, right into Tommy getting a call. And we have no idea what the call is. This comes right after Lizzie gives him the letter with the urgent message from the doctor. And we're like, oh, is it, the, is it something with the doctor? Is it something with this? And then Tommy shows up at Oswald's um, sesh pad, whatever yeah, you want to call like, it. It's like his bachelor pad. It's like, it's like his like his like fuck lounge, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It's like his affair, his, his, his like apartment where he has affairs. And Gina's just like vibing there. Like she lives there. Like what, a, you're not even going to be careful, Gina? Like very, very dumb. They thought they were being secretive. I mean, Tommy gets a call and all he says is, oh, like, oh, oh, okay. All right. Interesting. And he gets tipped off, goes right to it, sees her and he and tells Gina, I saw him walk out. And Gina's like, cuts right to the chase immediately right Michael. immediately shits her pants right. like what are we, like, like i am in no position of power right now tommy you hold all the cards right like what are you gonna tell michael and all he says all he says is michael's family he doesn't answer that question i noticed that yeah i mean he's basically saying like he's family because what tommy does is he doesn't say yes or no to things he kind of it's like oh i never said i was going to tell michael but i also said that i was going to tell michael by saying that you know it's very open to it has double meanings to it it's like a double-edged sword so like his words are very careful in that aspect but gina's shitting her pants she doesn't know what to do and tommy right away uses it as an ultimatum to say i won't tell michael as long as you are feeding me information you know and tommy has another uh, little mole that he has to to push the plot to his to his agenda, and I love yeah. it. He's freaking genius. More spy stuff. Obviously, honestly, she right. just wants I mean, to just wants her aspire for him. Obviously, it kind of fell into his lap a little bit, but it's not without his own doing. I mean, he had someone with his eyes, with, with their eyes and ears on Oswald Mosley at all times. And you know, when when you're that, you know, when you're that with it, and you're that, and you're paying that close attention to detail these things are going to fall into your lap and you're going to get advantages. And he has the advantage right now. And Gina, I, I love when he's walking out the room and she just goes, fuck. Yeah. Like, so we see, we see that she's put on a front where she kind of acts like she's not that she doesn't care about it, but you know, she's really fucking scared and she doesn't want this because everything will just go to shit. If Michael finds out Michael's going to end up being on Tommy's side, he's going to want to do away with the whole Nelson family. He's going to, kill Oswald Mosley and all his plans going to go to shit, which Tommy doesn't really want, you know, doesn't want that Not yet, yet. Yeah. but eventually he does. And also something that we need to discuss. I mean, that's not Michael's son. That is, that is Oswald Mosley's son. And that's what Polly thought. And that's, I mean, that, that goes back to another prediction that we had, that we were very confident that it was like, Polly knows that that was not her blood inside right. of the, 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 the womb. That's why she didn't feel a son. And yes, Wow, that's another thing that we're gonna have to sit on. Um, quite the difference in the meetings in episode one when Gina and Tommy were like going back and forth with the knee on your knees and Gina's blackout drunk. And now all I want is Tommy and Michael to team up one last time. They're not going to. I, I like disagree with you because as Gina said, you know, you know, Michael thinks that you're the devil. I, but that's only because Gina's calling him that. I don't but, know. I think that okay. Michael and then, still has a spot and, in his heart for Tommy. Then, I mean, Tommy says, well, a couple of things that I love, just the, the badass suaveness of Tommy Shelby. You know, you're going to tell me what happens. And Gina says, if I lie, Tommy goes, if you lie, I will know. 
He can read the bullshit. It's crazy. He's so smart. And then he says, what is Michael, you know, what's Michael's master plan out of all this with me? And he goes, if you lie, I will know. Gina says um, he wants to finish the deal. And then he'll be read with you. And then he'll be done with you. And Tommy laughs because yeah, Tommy she, knows she that knows. Michael's master plan is to kill him. And I don't know, you kind of disagree with that. But A I little think bit. That's his plan. The only reason why is because like, think about this playing out. Michael so badly wants Oswald dead, wants revenge for his mother's death. When he finds out that Gina is sleeping with the man who he thinks killed his mom, I think he's going to re-associate his anger. But that's just, we're going to wait and find out. That's But in the present moment, without Michael having that information, Michael's plan A, B, and C. Right now, yes. Murder Tommy Shelby. Right now. Because he thinks that Tommy Shelby is the reason why Polly is dead. But at the and same time, he could have just killed him in the first episode of the season. Right, but he like he, and he, he trusted him. He, he has other things that he has to carry out as well that he needs Tommy for. One day, the master plan is to end Tommy Shelby, get him off the face of the earth for all end of time. And I think that that's what he really wants. I think Tommy knows that. And he just wants to hear Gina say it. And he wants to, you know, this is him kind of assessing, how do I know if she's lying? Like, he can kind of tell like what she says and how she says it when she's lying. So I just think that that was the point of that in, in, in that scene. But hey, Michael's got Gina by the balls. He's, he's got Tommy, the yeah, Tommy does, yep. oh, Sorry, sorry. Tommy has Gina by the balls. And it's going to be interesting to see how he uses that information. If Gina continues on with her affair of, of Oswald, does Tommy tell Diana one day about the affair? In order oh, to, to get Kahoot to Diana. I just want that. Tommy, Give me that scene. Does Tommy, does Tommy tell Jack? Like how do Tommy can use this in so many different ways to shake up everyone. And it's such an integral part of the plot that might just seem like it's some scandalous affair in the, in the plot, but it's so important to the overall grand scheme of things. And then meanwhile, Michael at, at 5 a.m. or whatever at, at midnight is just uh well, he's, Gina's he's yeah, just Gina's, chilling. Gina's Gina is Gina off. is climaxing too at five a.m. I'm sure, um, yeah. but just not by herself. And where's the kid? Like we haven't even seen. Like who's watching? We don't know about G- Gina. Has parents? You know, the nannies. We, the nannies of Boston are hard at work, right? <laughs> the nannies of Boston are hard at work. But all right, so so we get into the final scene where we find out that Tommy has tuberculoma, which is interesting. So I. There were, there were a couple, uh, how do I say this? There were a couple lines that were crossed up because the doctor said that it was transmitted, it could be transmitted with a kiss. Yes. And then he says it's not infectious. Like you can, it's not contagious. It says that tuberculoma is not contagious. But, but he says tuberculosis is No, contagious. no, he was saying what Tommy had was could be transmitted with a kiss and already has infected the, the, no, the Shelby I think, family. I think that you cross it up. If someone can clear that up for us, we're, we're obviously going to rewatch it and, and go through it. But if someone can clear that up for us when it, in, in, our, in our next mailbag, I believe that he was saying tuberculosis, which what, which is what Ruby Oh, so had, like Ruby kissed Tommy. Into, yeah, Ruby kissed Tommy. Or, I mean, maybe even Lizzie has it. Who knows? We don't know if Lizzie got checked up. But, I, assume she, I assume she will, right? Yeah. But uh, Tommy has tuberculoma. His is not transmi- transmissible. Um, there could be other people that we don't know about who could have gotten the disease. I don't know if that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I, but- I assume we have one doctor um, listening. And tell us, is tuberculoma cancer? Because the word tumor was used. And yes. I think it's just cancer. That's going to be my guess. I'd also love to... In his lung. No, no, it's in his brain. But it's in his brain. Brain cancer. And then I also, I also kind of reminded me of uh, season three with, you know, when he got his brain bashed in, I thought initially that that was the initial oh, yeah. cause of it. I thought that had Father Hughes. That, and I thought it was going to be an insane callback to, to season three. Um, and we had that insane song. One of my favorite Peaky songs. That's the season I just like never want to watch again. Lazarus. Like, Lazarus. Key. Yeah, Lazarus by uh, David Bowie. Just an amazing song. But I thought it had to do with, with that. It didn't. And now I mean, he, asks, he basically asks him, how long do I have? gets very lucky obviously it's a television show so he gets very lucky with when lizzie walks in and he has the guy giving him a a, a number figure and he says oh it's just my accountant lizzie's <laughs> lizzie believes it and he says basically you have 12 months and then possibly 18 18 months and 
he walks out, he says, thank you. And he says, I will write you a letter with the implications. Lizzie's kind of like, what was that about? Oh, some business that I had to handle. You know, there's something that costs a lot more than I thought it was. Lizzie buys the bullshit, tells Lizzie, I need a freaking moment. Tommy's by himself. We get the poly, you know, the the poly quote that I said was going to be in almost every episode of this season. She says, there will be a war. One of you will die. Which one? I do not know. And Tommy says, Polly, just please just just give me time to, to please carry out this last one thing. And it's it's pretty ominous. I think Tommy is going to die in a Walter S kind of Walter White kind of way, as I said. And he gives us my favorite line of the season. And he says, not a devil, just an ordinary man. Polly, just give me enough time to do what I have to do. Bravo, Stephen Knight. What a fucking line. Oh, my God. Really good. I love how they were able to tie it into the seizures and the hallucinations that Tommy's had in the last two seasons, right? It's just like, we haven't had a seizure in a couple episodes now. Like, we haven't had an hallucination all season long. It's interesting. I Something tells me that, like, this won't be the thing that kills Tommy. I don't know why, just to guess. I, just, I, just, I don't know how, like, he's going to, like, evade Well, this. I think he'll just, like, get involved in some sort of heroic Viking-esque. Like, you know how the Vikings used to think that if you died, you know, in, in war, you go to Valhalla. I feel like yeah. there's going to be something like that where, like, he's not going to go out sleeping, in my yeah, opinion. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe he, maybe he dies, you know, sacrificing himself for, like, Lizzie or something. Who, who, who the fuck knows? But... Sheesh. Also something that we, uh, we brushed over, which was an amazing, in that same scene with, with the doctor. And he goes, you know, I've, I know that you have defeated many enemies and now you have a new one and it's living inside of you. That's like so powerful. Oh yeah, that, that was really good. You have this like enemy that you've had these like mortal, these enemies that are human beings and they're in the flesh. And now you have this, you have an enemy that you can't see and it's living inside of you. And it's, it's I mean, it's, it's also like, it's kind of like, parallel to the 21st century with, you know, COVID. I'm not trying to keep on drawing it back to COVID, but it's an enemy that, you know, us as, as a world had to defeat that you couldn't visibly see. And now Tommy has this enemy that he can't defeat. He's mentioned, you know, oh, this is my worst enemy yet. And it's kind of, uh, kind of was foreshadowed earlier on the season and last season when he said, you know, this is my worst enemy to date. And this is something I don't think he's going to be able to escape. I wonder if everyone agrees with us what's going to happen. I, I think that your prediction also is kind of spot on that he might not die from this, but he might just have no fear whatsoever with going out in a different way because he knows the lights at the end of the tunnel, that death is near. And I think that's going to be a common theme throughout these next two episodes is Tommy's going to be taking these crazy risks that we may not have seen him do before. All right. So two things before we wrap this up, um, the, the, the actor who played the doctor, Anorin Bernard, no idea if I said that that name correctly. Um, he was good. He's I reached good. out to him. Hopefully he can come on the pod. I sent him a message on Instagram. He uh, he was in Dunkirk. He was one of the, the characters. Remember the, the group of three yes. guys like with Harry he Styles? Looked, he looked familiar. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I mean, if, if uh, one of our uh, friends in, in, in the UK can help us out here, what like style of accent was that? It's a very different ac- uh, accent than like other British accents. It, it kind of yeah, reminded he's, me. He's of, Welsh. In, okay. He's Welsh. So maybe there's like well, a twang it, of that. It reminded me of The Crown. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it, I, where, I can see that with, with Harry or something. Yeah, it reminded me of The Crown and the way they spoke. Very, very proper, very crisp, the way they speak. I, I love the way that, that, that the British speak. It's just so eloquent. It's beautiful to listen to. Um, but he was really good. You kind of you kind of mentioned that he looked like uh, Peter Parker. Yeah, a little Spider-Man. Toby Maguire-ish. A little Toby Maguire. OG Spider-Man vibes. But um, I meant Charles, just, by the way, not Harry. He sounds a no, little yeah, bit Charles, like Charles. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, he sounds he sounds a lot like Charles. Um, but just overall, great episode. Bravo. Six four was a banger. Okay, there's one more thing. We, five we, and six. We 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 glossed over it. I I just realized we didn't touch on it, so we'll finish with this. Our favorite anti-semitic child has now grown into a jewish boy he's carl, jewish carl what comes in amazing carl comes what in to ada. List. um i mean and he, i also and also mentioning ada too by the way i mean she was a badass she stuck up for herself 
Yeah. As we said, she's Polly. And she spoke down to her, her kid. Like, you feel like Carl never gets talked back to. Um, he kind of is inferring that she should get rid of her baby. That's, that's, like, that's the introduction to the scene where Carl's walking in. He's like, Mom, we got to do something with this black baby. Like, kids are making fun of me. They say the black rubs off, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Ada snaps back. And I had no idea what she was going to say. And then mm. she's like, you know, your father was Jewish. And Carl's face is like, because that's when she's like, where, where would they send you? You know, and it's right. obviously concentration camps. And right. it's like crazy, very, very deep. And maybe we get a twist to the good side for Carl. Like, I'd love to see Carl join up with the youngsters with, with, you know, like a nice Duke, Carl, Finn, Isaiah combo. I can see it. I can see it. Maybe the movie. I, I don't really want to waste time yeah. in the season with them. Definitely. Um, I totally agree. But, but that's it. So overall, got- overall great episode. We've got an amazing episode. We've got our mailbag coming up later in the week. So make sure to get your emails in in the next few days, B-O-O-T, Blinders at gmail.com. Or you can comment on the posts on Facebook and we'll recognize those as well, facebook.com slash Podcast. As always, you can just comment if you're a Patreon member too, patreon.com slash Peaky. All the links are in the show notes as well as how to sign up for a VPN so all of your friends outside the UK can watch this season before June 10th. That's so far away, Josh. So far away for the non-diehard fans really, really who are just like casually hard. waiting around. Like they don't even know that we're in mid-March and we're, we're, we're watching Gina have sex with Oswald. Like they have no idea. And I don't, I don't want to live in a world where that's a thing. We're not knowing that <laughs> right away. I don't want to live in a world where you just don't know that that's happening right away. I, I couldn't imagine. I'm so grateful for, for ExpressVPN, getting this VPN, being able to watch it. I don't care. It's two in the morning. I want it as soon as possible. I told myself, I said, I'm so tired. I'm so mentally exhausted from that, from that Miami basketball game. Just drained me. I said, you know what? I'm not waiting until tomorrow morning. I'm watching this shit. I was like, I'm going to watch the first 15 minutes and go to sleep. No, I kept going. I couldn't stop. It's a great episode. I'm so happy I did it because we saw that our prediction came damn true. And what's great about it too is like, we could watch it at 4 p.m. on Sunday. Like I could watch it at 1 p.m. on Sunday over here in California. And so like, that's what you've got to recommend to your friends. We're at a point now where all you have to do is sign up for the one month. So the one month, 14, 13, 99, knock it out, cancel it after a month, watch all the Peaky, then you're done. And uh, for those of you still listening here in like the, the one hour and, and seven minute mark, Josh and I are very, very happy that the team that we grew up rooting for, and like I had season tickets for over 10 years, like the Miami Hurricanes. Amazing. They won. They won a basketball they're in, game. They're in this so that's weird, pretty neat. Sweet 16. They're My dad's sweet going 16. to Chicago for the game. Amazing. Oh, man. Unfinished business, baby. Let's go. All right. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. We had a ton of fun, and we are so excited to break the rest of the season down with you all. He's Josh. I'm Daniel, and we didn't, so you don't have to.